0: To the pressures are not side so low
1: You just heard Gathering Dust from Modern English, Mesh and Lace 1991. This is the Patreon show, Spring 2021. For your, for your viewing and listening pleasure. Exactly.
2: I was trying to think James Bond, for your eyes only, for your, yeah. Um, for your pleasure. That's, yeah, 1981. I think he said 91, but that's okay.
1: Uh, 81.
2: Yeah. So definitely, we're starting in the 80s for sure. 80s and early 90s a little bit. Um. Yeah, Patreon show. Marcus Metawas says we record it because we actually got ahead of the game a little bit with uh, yeah. I mean, the last... Ian Glasper shows and the the soundtrack shows that got ended up being three weeks worth.
1: Well, yeah, the soundtrack shows end up being we had it as one, right? Yeah, and then it turned into three two and a half hour long shows yeah. or more. Um, yeah, just even like with the the punk show. I don't remember what the full like length is. They're both been edited now, and I think the first one's up for patrons to listen to. Yeah, for sure. I've gotten um, some, but feedback they're both from about people. two and a half hour, two and a half exactly hours each. Perfect. Um, and for two punk shows, that's that's a lot of songs. Yeah, yeah. yeah we
2: <laughs> well, <laughs> I originally had the the punk show like probably ten less songs, and then like Ian wrote back after I I thought we were kind of like locked in. Yeah, I'd given him like a list of like here I think are, do these look like the bands we should cover? And like back in you know, December and January, and we started that conversation, he's like, yeah, that sounds good. And then like right before we recorded, he's like, yeah, you should probably add uh, Anthrax UK and this and this. And I was like, okay, cool. So I was like, oh, fuck, like, I got to fit these somewhere. And so yeah. it like it just kept growing. Well, but I think like, as
1: that, even as that show went, um, he opened up more and more and was like, oh yeah, it's time." Like we went, we went, I think doubled the time we were supposed to have. Yeah, and he was totally fine with it because he was digging where it was going. So
2: it's one of those weird things. Like I think I've, I've explained this to like uh, one of the guys I teach with that uh, Mark knows because he's gone and, uh, to a Slayer show with us and Juice Priest with us before. But um, I was talking to McDavid about it, and you know how he initially said, "Yeah, I only have two hours," you know, and yeah, and uh, how once we like passed two hours, I'm like, okay, we'll 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 like quickly wrap up, and then he was kind of like, uh, "No, we're okay, we're good." It that's was almost like he was testing us to make sure we weren't wasting his time. That's I mean, you know? anytime
1: I do. Every once in a while, I'll be I'll guest on somebody else's show. Yeah, and I always tell them I've got this much, and then you play it by ear. You if kind it of sucks, it. you can get out early. If exactly, not, you can keep going. So. Yeah,
2: and so I think like it's a testament to I think the preparation that you and I try and do that we never if we bring in a guest we never want to waste their time.
1: I don't you ever know? want it to be like a morning zoo crew thing where it's like uh, like you're going through like the some type of just like, like promo thing, like where you go station to station, like, ah, oh, how's the tour going? And blah, blah, blah. Like if yeah. you're going to, if we're going to take the time to do the show, we're going to read the books or at least cherry pick, you know, yeah. stuff out of yeah. it. and Like know what we're talking about because I don't want to waste, I've never wanted to waste anybody's time. No. And I appreciate people's expertise. And, um, I always feel like it's, it's like a, uh, it's, it's just like t- to be able to get other people to come on. It's like a privilege. Mm-hmm. So like, Treat them with the the appropriate response, or you know, sure. respect, basically.
2: Well, and I think too, like that um, due for, diligence for our patrons. Um, soon, you will be hearing, um, you know, uh, our first of our Doom series that we're doing. And um, spoiler to our patrons, but we we reached out to Dave Chandler from St. Vitus, and and he was really geeked. Uh, you know, he seemed to be geeked. Like, dude's he,
1: old as shit too. I didn't realize he's sixty two. Yeah
2: he's i but mean they he was like they've uh, been around since the late 70s yeah you know
1: but yeah when when you started sending me those um it was just like one evening He started yeah. sending them all he was like doing them on his phone or something Yep. he was chipping like, them over and i was like these are great yeah like, yeah just keep them keep them coming
2: he's so. um i think he was just i remember writing him after like i sent him the questions and i was like do the questions look all right and he was very like complimentary he was just like yeah yeah this is I think he's gotten probably a lot of bad interviews through his years, and I think he knew we knew it I mean, our shit. And, yeah, I went um, and
1: watched a bunch of... Uh, basically, any of the interviews they had on YouTube, and they're about 50-50 just bullshit mm-hmm. or pretty decent, but usually it's like somebody from... Uh, this like a non English speaking country saying the same kind of like yes. they get like a pretty girl or like a young hip looking dude mm-hmm. to come in and like ask do them you basic. Like, do you feel good with doom metal? Yes. Is, is... How you feel as pioneer of doom metal? <laughs> oh man, you know like the, but he's he's and a Dave's cool dude. So personable, man. And I he's lo- so yeah, awesome. I, I, after like basically after you sent me those, I was still I didn't own all the stuff. Yeah, I only like when we first started doing the show, all I had was Born Too Late. Mm-hmm. Um, And by the time we were done and by the time we got those, you know, little, uh, interview clips clips from Dave, I was, I, I bought every single (laughs) thing. I have the entire discography. Sure. Yeah. same. So thank you patrons for that's what my chunk of the money this month has gone towards.
2: Absolutely. I've been tracking down (laughs) that. Um, I've been filling in some other kind of files and stuff. Um, because we're planning a whole kind of Doom series, um, not as extensive as what we did with the Thrash series, which was 10 parts, but um, something in the kind of five to six episode range and maybe a couple patron-only the US episodes. U.S. Doom, we should yep, say. Yep. So yeah. just like you, we did U.S. Thrash, we're kind of focusing just on some U.S. kind of Doom sludge kind of bands in that yeah. sort of realm. Um, you know, some of the bands, like one of the bands that we're planning to do with Jeff Wagner, I'll let you figure that one out if you want to solve that puzzle, really Um right. Yeah, they uh they maybe kind of exist outside of doom in some capacity, but they kind of transcend it too. You know, so they're they're, they're part of it.
1: it. Yeah, yeah, I think like as far as like we're gonna kind of be charting from the late '70s into the contemporary time. Yeah. So
2: yeah. Oh. So and it's it's gonna be fun. And one of the things, just so you guys kind of know, uh, we'll, we'll kind of let you know here. We don't know any details at this point, but um, one of our patrons, who's been a, a longtime patron and the guy that has um spurred the the history heavy metal um countdown playlist on spotify brian wendorf um who has reached out to mark about getting involved uh, artistically with kumas and uh, i think a lot of people know about kumas um, kumas corner in chicago yeah little hamburgers have they expanded outside of chicago or are they only in i chicago? think i
1: think it's just chicago location okay. i think there's three yeah maybe four i'm not sure
2: yep um i've always wanted to go and for some reason like every time we go to chicago it never happens
1: I mean, I've been to Chicago since the early 2000s.
2: No, you went uh, with Carcass, but we didn't get a chance to go to Kumas then. Well,
1: we went there, but we didn't like look around or anything.
2: Did we? We did stay the night, right? We didn't yeah, drive we stayed home that at night.
1: Somebody's friends, like, uh, it
2: was it was with Sean Knight from um,
1: from Childbite? From Childbite, yeah, yeah, yeah. Him and his yeah. wife, like, we stayed at their friends' like townhouse. I don't I remember. It was down like by them. Mexican
2: town, because I remember we went to like that uh Mexican karaoke bar after the carcass show. Real,
1: yeah, real late.
2: Yeah, it was really late. Got like kind of like nachos at like one AM or some shit. Yeah. <laughs> Margaritas and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, we never got a chance to hit up Kumas. And I, I've been to Chicago a couple times since I knew about Kumas and it just never happened. Like we drove there. Uh, a couple of buddies of mine that I teach with uh, to see Metallica. I I'd never seen Metallica live. So that was,
1: you know. Didn't, didn't you see like Foo Fighters at the stadium Yeah, I saw so?
2: Foo Fighters at uh, and Cheap Trick at um, Wrigley, Field. Wrigley Field. Yep. So and again, both those times, it just Kuma never. I don't know why. It just never kind of I don't know happened. where they're
1: at in the city related to venues and stuff either. So Well,
2: it's funny because um, w- one of the things we're going to be talking about in this episode is like movies we've been watching and, and kind of different things we've been sort of into. And um, it kind of like. I'll get to the Kuma's part of this, you know, like the reason I brought up Kuma's in a, in a second, but a friend of mine, I went to high school with, um, her name was Audra. She was a cheerleader. Um, you know, I kind of like re kind of, um, reconvened with her a little bit with, uh, the 20 year reunion. I kind of got in touch with her to see if she was going, but she lives in Chicago and, um, I was reading uh all right, all right, all right, the Oral History of Days Confused, which is a movie I'm kind of obsessed with. I show it in my film class. Um I've always been obsessed with the movie and, and really been interested in in kind of like how unique that movie is and that it is plotless essentially, and that's kind of it's like the anti John Hughes movie in that like yeah. no there are no stakes because like in high school there really were no stakes. Like it seemed like a big deal, but let's be honest, it wasn't like dramatic. When you get to the heart of it, there's... yeah, it was just, just bullshit. Out who you are, yeah, exactly. It was a, like, what are we going to yeah. do tonight? Well, you know, am I going to hook up with a girl? Like it was that; those were the stakes most of the time. Yeah, are you going to get it, beat up, or are you going to fuck somebody? Exactly. Or you your know, and, and, or and it captures a lot of that, uh, that disparate thing. And anyways, I was reading the book, and Audra had been like my, like we would rent Days and confuse like all the time in high school, and so would other people. But like that was like the bond between her and I. And I kind of said, hey, what's your address? Because I wanted to mail her this book just as kind of like a surprise. And I wouldn't tell her what I was doing. And after she got the book, we kind of got talking. And um, one, she said she lives a block from Kuma. So if we go and like visit Kuma's, I was like, yeah, like, like, let's get together and hang out and stuff. The other thing she threw out and, and we never had a follow up conversation, but she wrote she basically said, like, I've been taking all these like screenwriting classes and I want to write a movie with you. And I don't know what that means. I have no idea. But it was like completely out of the blue. And I was like, hey, I'm I'm interested. You know, I don't know sure. what I don't know what we would do. But it was a really interesting conversation. It kind of like I said, it kind of connected back to Kuma's because she said like, oh, yeah, if you guys come and do something at Kuma's, um, I'm around. But anyways, Brian has kind of talked to us about possibly doing some type of a live broadcast at Kuma's, maybe this summer. And so as Patreons, we're just kind of letting you know, we have no idea what the details are. Uh, Mark and I are kind of trying to brainstorm, like, how do you do something like that? Because our show is different than, like, other podcasts where we have a very – I mean, it's set up like a radio show. And, like, we have a kind of specific – not script, but, like, a format that we're following. And Mm -hmm. so it's, like, how do we do that and bring in an audience – like, and have them be able to interact with us. I think and it'll and greatly stuff. have to
1: be changed to, Yeah, to work right.
2: So it might be almost more like a Patreon show in that it's just yeah, going to be I like think loose be. and open and, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. But uh, if any of you are near the Chicago area, um, you know, we'll we'll let you know. And maybe June or July is probably what we're looking at
1: because I'll, yeah, I'll you know, be on hoping like break. The, like some of the lockdown stuff will be a little bit more opened up so we can actually have a decent amount of people Yeah, if if it's a possibility. Um, I know CDC
2: has been a lot better with outdoor events, especially with like the mixing of people that are vaccinated and not vaccinated and some yeah, of that I kind mean, of stuff. And there's so, no,
1: I don't foresee there being any type of, unless you're going to be traveling via airplane, there's not going to be any of the passport yeah. vaccine passport shit. So um, I mean, really at that point it's kind of, I don't know why people don't, why businesses don't just have a sign up in front that says, you are uh accepting a certain amount of risk coming in here and if you get ill then you can't sue us yeah yeah <laughs> <I don't laughs> kind know. of thing
2: like, i haven't heard of any cases of that happening yet i'm sure i'm sure people have tried i mean the
1: the number one thing with this whole thing is liability oh yeah yeah um and that's that's one of especially the biggest especially from a school cuz yeah.
2: schools get sued all the time i by think parents. that's
1: supposed to, that's like one of the the worst things in our country right now is the um just the how liability thing are, and like yeah. we want like we just want to sue we can't take responsibility for anything so hopefully we can get to the point where we could actually have you know maybe 30 40 50 people if they have an outdoor venue yeah um just it'd be it'd be nice to be able to have like actually interact and not everybody be in their own little tent sure that watching us on a monitor while we're outside you know yeah i know some of this is like i i dig that people are trying to do live Events via streaming, but it's it's not the same. It,
2: it, you lose a little something for you sure. You lose everything. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I um. So so again, it's something kind of cool. Uh, it's the first time we've we've done something like that or thought about it. A lot of podcasts I listen to and I know Mark listens to do events like this, but they're like you said, they're pretty loose and open and stuff. But. Yeah. You know, it'd be we'd want to do it where maybe we can bring in some guests too that maybe live locally, uh, maybe yeah. Shoot us your ideas too. Like,
1: things. what what would you want to see out of a live show? Yeah, because you don't want to just see us. St- like, it's got to have an interactive component to it. Yeah, right? yeah. So I mean, yeah, exactly.
2: So we're like this is very wants, new.
1: Yeah, we don't want to do a a Q and A. It would it would be more of an interactive about a specific topic or a broad topic or yeah. Lots yeah. of lots of ideas there. We'd like that, yeah, but we'd love to hear your input on that.
2: And if we can get some guests locked down, we'll let people know ahead of time so that way anybody coming can maybe prepare some questions that they have or you know sure, yeah. to throw some kind of stuff out. Um, but yeah, so there you go, cutting edge news. You heard it from us. That could be a possibility. Uh, the first time ever. Obviously, as we're expanding and growing, um, that's kind of a, a new. Yeah, it's a new step forward. You know
1: if yeah, depending on I don't know where our. Uh, I don't think there's necessarily a pocket in the United States where like <laughs> yeah. we have a huge amount of listeners. I think it's all over the place. But maybe if we do something like this and people want to come early, or if they can't come if they want maybe we could do like I was thinking of doing pre orders of a specific one off like t shirt design or yeah. something like that. Like a Just cool a- like little poster yeah. that
2: you could like that Kumas could advertise almost like a like yeah, like those, a like, cool like, screen exclusive or screen print poster or something. But yeah. just
1: something. So even if you couldn't go and you wanted that, you could still memorialize. Could, yeah, yeah, and that that way it could be another little incentive to us to yeah. to do something extra and to like cover our costs on it.
2: Sure, and we could probably even offer like a a discount to patrons or something if you wanted. Or, it first, or yeah. Like that. first, yeah, first, uh, first first rights, first rights. Yeah. Yep, yep. So again, we're in that we're in that process. We're we're still kind of putting some things together, but there are. I think there are big things on the horizon. I would say. I think this is like kind of part of like the narrative of where we've been sort of going the last few months. Well,
1: we've had the ultimate slow game.
2: Yeah, yeah. Thirteen <laughs> years to, to sort of yeah, a lot of tantric. We're like the tantric podcast. We've been sort of playing. You it think it for Sting a while. gets you off, man? Yeah. We get you off even better. <laughs> exactly. So speaking of getting off, um, Ooh. modern English. No, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was an awkward. As transition. in the English on
1: the pool ball. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, so mark and i decided um because we've been putting so much effort into this doom metal series and a lot of uh research and a lot of like reaching out to get interviews with people that we would do something very kind of unplanned uh for the patreon show just to sort of reach out to you it's guys. it's still pretty planned but yeah it's, yeah. yeah we, we set upstairs and kind of listened to some stuff and, and threw together kind of a playlist and stuff but um Basically, it's it's not necessarily a rule, but it's uh, in terms of like new stuff or old stuff or whatever, but just kind of in general, like things we've been sort of, you know, digging on and and sort of listening to. And we kind of went uh, purposely, at least the the beginning part of the episode, uh, a little bit outside of metal on purpose to sort of show you some of the shades of things that we we like outside of metal. And I think everybody knows, you know, at this point, especially our patrons know probably better than anyone that our tastes are varied. And wide.
1: I, I think anybody that that stays, that's really into music in general. Mm-hmm. I don't know how you can stay in just listening to death metal. Yeah, or just listening to grim hip hop or like yeah. whatever. You can't. I feel like you, the longer you're in, like really getting into stuff deeply, if you don't stretch out, then I think you're like a weird outlier. Yeah. <laughs> no shit. Like I, I don't always want to just listen to brutal. No. Stuff. It's just it's obnoxious. Like I want. Like the the more we do these shows and you figure out, oh, shit, this is where stuff came from. And like, you know, I just over uh since nobody goes anywhere and spends money on normal things, um, you know, like I just spent one hundred and fifty bucks on a Velvet Underground box set. Yeah. But I was like, that makes sense. You know, like a, a a kind of like a prepper music prepper way. Like, OK, I've got this. So anytime I need to pull this, I've, I've got everything I need. Um, Now you
2: understand why I have all these books because I'm like ready for whatever episode we might be able to do in the future, like to pull something off the shelf. Yeah, like
1: my financial situation has changed quite a bit where, you know, I was married and worried about, you know, two people. Yeah. Now it's just about me. So I can say, all right, I can buy all this stuff that's just kind of boring to eat and then I can, you know, no frills meals, but then I can get some frills in my box sets.
2: So you're in the similar boat to me. Like nobody's going to judge me when I get 35 Excalibur comic issues in the mail from eBay. No. Yeah.
1: Or even like, yeah, I'm, I'm dating somebody now and like went to the record store and she's not like, oh, you're going to spend yeah. uh, 50 bucks on records and yeah, like there's not that thing. Not,
2: it's not a shared budget. I, exactly. I get that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so it's it,
1: nice to be able to be, you know, I can spend whatever I want on, you know, some G.I. Joe books. And, yep. I'm not being frivolous at all, but it's like when you only have to worry about one thing, like, here's my bills. I pay all my bills off the first of the month and then worry about getting, you know, the next month.
2: Well, everybody's got like vices of some sort. You know, some people like buy jet skis and some people like go camping or, you know. Yeah, your your toys. Yeah, your toys or whatever. It's like for me, like it's music and movies are my toys, Mm -hmm. you know, especially like the last two summers. I know I'm not traveling as much. I'm not yeah. going overseas with the, the student trips that I take. So I have like... Well, we
1: haven't seen a concert in over a year. Yeah, like, so
2: I'm like kind of spending that money that I normally might for merch and things like that. Yeah, like
1: normally you go to a show, you'd spend... If you don't get on the list, you... Like at this point, I would never ask to get on the list again just because... <laughs> I mean, fuck, these, nobody's toured for so long. Yeah. Like I'm very willing to pay them money. But, you know, you spend like 40 bucks on merch and then... You know, fifteen twenty bucks on drinks, and then whatever it costs to get in, and mm-hmm. like not doing that stuff for a year. Like I have way more discretionary money now. Yeah, yeah. and to have a savings, and I don't know. eat
2: eat out as much or drink drink out as much. Like when I like meet friends for drinks, and I'm spending yeah. like you know eight dollars on a beer that I can get for a dollar. Yeah, in my fridge, you know, what I mean, yeah, and like, like, I, like I that. a couple
1: times a week, I'll t- maybe once a week go out to eat or or do like a Grubhub with you know yeah. as a as a date night or whatever but yeah it's just like the, the amount of money i've actually got to put into stuff that i really care about it's kind of nice thank you covid yes <laughs> thank you
2: <laughs> we're trying to like glass half full yeah we're trying
1: well i'm trying to give money back to well maybe not necessarily artists aren't probably getting this cuz a lot of this is through discogs. through discogs, yeah whatever or later on you know through peaceville and mm-hmm. you know but uh yeah like it's just nice to be able to like know exactly what you need for money yeah and you're not relying on anybody else for sure. it. Oh, so.
2: no, it is pretty nice, for sure. And so I I, uh, I discovered this Modern English, um, I think I was listening to NPR, Sound Design, I think it was the, the episode or the program. Sound Decisions. Sound Decisions, that's yeah. what it is. Yeah, and they were the guy was kind of talking about um, cool new wave type stuff, and I think ever since um, really the last few years, I think Mark and I have been kind of slowly kind of dabbling in that stuff a lot more.
1: I think we've always had a predilection toward it. But I don't think we realized how good the stuff we didn't hear was. Mm-hmm. Like I think I just stuff knew was the great. hits. I yeah. knew the
2: hits from yeah. a lot of bands. Like everybody knows I, "I Melt With You" from Modern English, and that yeah. was all I really knew.
1: That was at every high school dance. In yeah, the 90s. exactly. <laughs> it was
2: used in. Uh, I I've been kind of on a big binge the last few years since the um, uh, the teen movie book came out from the uh, sadly passed away Mike uh, McFadden,
1: Beardo, yeah, Beardo, yeah, yep. McFadden.
2: McFadden, yep, um, who passed away I think in December yeah end of end of 2020 not fucking young dude i know sad. it's a bummer because i was really digging on all his books that he was doing i listened to him on some podcasts and things and then yeah but he
1: has his teen boner comedy book yes and,
2: yeah. uh, i melt with you was kind of iconically known for being in valley girl the nicholas cage kind of early 80s movie yeah. um and it was used as a music cue all throughout that and so
1: anyway, before he took on the cage persona I think so. Yeah. Was he still Nicholas?
2: Uh... Oh uh, no, he was Nicholas Cage in that movie. Nicholas okay. Coppola. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely. Uh, yeah. I think. Yeah, I don't think he. I don't know if he's in any movies as Nicholas Coppola, or if he was. I think they probably retroactively went back and changed it now, especially okay. with like DVD releases and things like that. But... And his
1: his previous his like output lately, where he's just like, "Man, I got to pay my tax bill." Yeah.
2: Well. <laughs> He's doing, like, off-the-rails things, but he's also, like, on occasion, like, hitting some pretty awesome, excuse oh, me, yeah. awesome stuff. Like, Mandy was, like,
1: I, I love Mandy. It I was think he's, crazy. he's on the same kind of track like Vincent Price was in the 70s. Ah, yeah. Where, like, he would, I mean, Vincent Price was never regarded as, like, a, a great actor, but he was in, like, Rebecca, I think, wasn't he? Uh, Laura. Laura.
2: Yeah, the noir, the uh, Premlinger movie. So, like, movie.
1: like he, he started out as a certain thing, but then he figured out, well, shit. This is good. I'm going to be doing this these bonkers movies, but I'm going to put it put in 100% as if they were studio Yeah, just fucking commit. Yeah. Yeah. So like that's I think he's he's one of the few guys I think that are him and like uh, Udo Kier. Um there's a handful of dudes that, that do just weird fucking bonkers shit.
2: Speaking of Udo Kier, the Justice League episode I just watched last <laughs> night, Udo Kier did like one of the voices <laughs> of the villain. I'm sure it did. Very strange. Yeah. 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 So yeah, that's that's a great series. Yeah, like Bruce Timm series. Yep um but yeah so anyway so not the nicholas cage i was like how do we get to nicholas (laughs) oh yeah we're talking about modern english but they played this song from i believe it's their first or second record um from modern english mesh and lace and i didn't know much about it um but boy i loved gathering dust the first time i heard it it was like these fucking cosmic sounds kind of coming out. Like, a lot of Hawkwind going on there. Yeah, it's like yeah. Hawkwind meets like Slow Dive, My Bloody Valentine mixed with like Joy it do- Division and Cure. It, doesn't and...
1: Sound, it sounds more contemporary than it's than it when it came out. It's, yeah. it's weird.
2: Interesting production choices yeah. to like be throwing these like just you know, these like cosmic sounds like you're in a video game or traveling. It's like space. Silver Machine
1: yeah. kind of shit, but with like very like, uh, you know, post-punk d- 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 drums. D- 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 and,
2: yeah, the driving kind of thing. I yeah. can almost like picture it like, I can almost imagine like a cool like space battle and like the next Guardians of the Galaxy with like that shit just like popping out almost, you know? Yeah. Again, it's probably maybe too obscure for Guardians, although they had some obscure like kind of 70s AM shit.
1: Depends on uh, what kind of deals they've got for licensing.
2: That's true. Yeah.
1: So I'm trying to think who put this out. They put it on themselves.
2: What's that? This? Yeah.
1: Oh, it's this... not on a label. Oh, yeah. You're right. Yeah, 2019. They probably like all the rights reverted back to them, huh. and they decided to put them out themselves. Yeah.
2: But yeah, cool. So I ended up picking up this this record, and uh, it's not the only good song. I mean, the whole thing's fantastic. So I'm I'm officially now a Modern English fan, man. Nice. So. Yeah, so we've been, uh, I don't know, I guess, where where have you been on your, your film journeys and, and some of your non-music kind of pop culture sort of journeys lately? It's,
1: it's been all over the place. Yeah, I mean, um, I've got
2: a list of what I've sort of seen lately, but I'm curious to hear what you've you've Because, I mean, into.
1: even the last time I think we, we just, I, I'd watched all the 80s buddy cop movies. Yeah, yeah. At least like 48 hours and all that stuff. Which
2: we got some feedback about that. I'll share it on the St. Vitus episode when we read some letters. Okay. Well, there are people that... Are 100 percent in for a Patreon show where we talk about like buddy comedies and shit. Because there's yeah, there's a lot.
1: <laughs> I hadn't seen 48 hours since I was a kid. Yeah. It was great. It's fantastic. It was fantastic. really fucking good. Yep. Um and then like the first Beverly Hills cop was really good. I didn't watch the second, but I watched all of the which we talked about before, but when was all the last of, time you watched all the Midnight Lethal Run. Weapons. I, I watched every couple years. It's okay. great. Okay. Charles Grodin is it's fucking almost amazing a perfect film. Yes. Like it's I, almost who, fucking who perfect. It?
2: Oh, it's not. It's not Donner. Boy, I can't remember. It is somebody when I it's say like fucking it. fucking Mike Nichols or something. No, it's not Nichols. It's somebody when you, I tell you. Keep talking. I'll look it okay. up. Okay. But,
1: um. But yeah, we. So we, we. Those. Those were kind of. I've watched quite a bit of shit in the last month or so. But the last. Um. Since our last episode, to try to differentiate a little bit, the stuff I've been watching. Martin is Brest, kind of... who did
2: Beverly Hills Cop.
1: Oh, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah um sorry but yeah no the stuff i've been watching lately has been kind of random mm-hmm. um, same <laughs> the uh have you heard of mayor of Easttown yet no it's the kate winslet hbo crime limited series that oh doing. okay it's cool. very it seems like 1990 it's it feels like very much like a fincher kind of okay kind of deal but it's a limited series but it's um this i don't know do you ever watch any bbc crime shows
2: Uh, like Sherlock. You ever see Happy Valley? No. I've heard of it, but yeah.
1: It's, it's this basically this, like, uh, this cop, the female cop that's divorced her, one of her kids killed themselves. Um, basically just trying to get by kind of thing. But the way BBC, anything in BBC, usually, even if it's not the best show, it's like the way it's written and the way it's structured is just impeccable. Hmm. It's all, it's great. But that's kind of how the vibe I got. There's only been two episodes so far of this okay. on HBO. Um, but for the first episode, I was like, eh. and then I fell asleep during it. And then I watched it again. Yeah. And watched the second episode. I was like, oh, this is actually like, yeah, interesting. But it's way more like where's it at? Shit. Uh, Where's it streaming? It's on HBO. HBO. Okay. Yeah. I don't. Did, know, do you have HBO? Yeah. I got okay. HBO Max. Have you heard about
2: speaking of like weird kind of series that are coming out on HBO? Um, do you hear the Son of Sam thing that they're doing? Mm-mm. So. The guy that did it. I was just reading a Rolling Stone interview with the person that put this documentary together. But it's about the investigator and the journalist that essentially, like, almost lost his mind mm-hmm. trying to prove that the son of Sam wasn't just a single killer okay. because of something Berkowitz told him. Yeah. So it, it's almost like a metaphor for like conspiracy theory, like QAnon people about how like the obsession that this guy had, he almost like almost like died because he like like cut off all connections with the rest of his life because almost like Zodiac where like they became obsessed with like trying to like fix this and the cops wouldn't believe him. And yeah. so he was like always frustrated. That Is that the cops... coming on HBO? Yeah. So? It's like a four episode kind of thing about son of Sam. That's, that, gonna that's be pretty, pretty uh,
1: relevant with, if you look at what people, how people have like deep dived into shit because of COVID, mm-hmm. like people throwing going into like political areas they wouldn't normally sure. even know anything about. And like, not having to go, not having normal social commitments, not having normal work commitments, mm-hmm. and then having YouTube,
2: <laughs> yeah, well, and it's like he kind of even said the the guy I can't remember the guy that's putting this all together, but he basically said like it's a metaphor for people who are obsessed with like true crime series, yeah, because it's like it's kind of a slippery slope, like it is very attractive, but like if you get kind of caught in that world, it's like sometimes.
1: Well, those podcasts are incredible. I can't think of... There's
2: the... Serial was the big one, obviously. Well, then there's
1: um, there's two female hosts that do one that's hugely popular. I can't think what the hell it's called. Um, but they even do... They would do, like, conventions. Oh, no shit. With this. Yeah, like, yeah. A, a friend of mine's wife is super fucking into these. I can't think what the hell they're called. You'd know it if you heard it.
2: Okay. Um, I mean, I know, like... Just students and stuff that like are just obsessively like watching stuff like Criminal Minds all the time. Like that's yeah. all they watch is just reruns of that. Well, that, uh, like that that
1: Fincher thing. Um, fuck, what was that called? It was on uh, Netflix. The Mink. No
2: movie that he just did.
1: No, it was a he. It was a a series
2: oh oh i know what you're talking about it wasn't bloodline it was um no it was about yeah yeah it was it, it was about the first dudes the yes. first behavioral psychologists yes, yes, yes. in FBI. i 100% know what you're talking about uh mind hunters mind hunters yeah that's it's great i've heard it's cool yeah uh, i, never I watched it the though.
1: first the first season was really good um the one of the main guys is if you've ever seen Creepshow show 2 i have not the first part of it that has uh um. Fuck the guy from the Iger sanction and Naked Gun. Uh, George, uh, not
2: George Segal, who just RIP no. passed away.
1: Fuck. Jo- uh,
2: I know who you're talking about. He was like uh, kind of dumpy
1: dude. He's been a million things.
2: Yeah. He was an airplane, I think, too, maybe, and and some of that stuff. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, he was, he was a Naked Gun. Yeah. He was he was Nif- uh, Leslie Nielsen's partner. Yep. With Nordberg. O- uh, OJ. OJ. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but Fire yeah, up he, juice he, he plays this Native American guy in that that is basically forsaking his cultural you know for, to, for his own well-being and sure. but I, I, I was like, God, this guy looks so fucking familiar, and I've seen Creep Show two 100 times, probably really? okay. it was it was always on whatever okay. thing. I never
2: saw Creep Show one I own. It's I'd great. Never seen I actually
1: prefer the the second one. Do you really? I do I think no you'll yeah.
2: have to track it down
1: then. Um, but yeah, he's in this as the as like the the partner, the that guy kind of, that's kind of seen it all. Guy, but uh, yeah, the first season is great. I can't say much about the second because I haven't watched it yet. Yep.
2: I heard good things about it. I just
1: and Fincher he directed all the episodes.
2: He directed them. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, okay. it's,
1: it's really worth checking out. If yeah, you I Netflix. love.
2: I mean, I'm a big, I'm a big Fe- Fincher guy. Even, even some of his stuff that's like more. I don't know, people aren't as into, but... Even
1: if I don't care about the subject matter as much, technically, it's always really impressive.
2: Like, I've heard that... I haven't watched Mank yet, but I've heard it's, like, beautiful to watch. It's a little slow, uh, from what I've heard, but... This I,
1: one I, about Mank, with the... the yeah, Susan Kane and yeah, stuff.
2: Yeah. yeah, so I'm interested. That's something yeah. I, I just... I did actually did, like, a deep dive trying to watch as many movies that were nominated for Best Picture before the Oscars last weekend, so, like...
1: I don't even know what was nominated. Last yet.
2: Friday and Saturday, I killed, like... A bunch of movies um so i watched like ma rainey's black bottom um which is chadwick boseman and um, is that his last film yeah he was incredible everybody thought he was going to win the oscar kind of just know, hopkins a, got it hopkins but. got it yeah. yeah so which kind of a bummer i whatever yeah. i
1: mean the whole thing it doesn't really mean yeah, anything anyways exactly. it's all
2: you know um so there was that They're all good films trial of chicago seven which is pretty awesome um it it plays a little loose with some of the stuff that happened with the who sh- directed it um uh, sorkin so it's got like i love sorkin's writing but he's okay as a director but he kind of what else he directed it. and he's only done a couple things he's mainly known just obviously for his okay. writing stuff i think he directed he some stuff with, like yeah he sorkinized it a bit yeah but like uh sasha baron conan plays uh like abby hoffman he's pretty okay. fucking fantastic really just it's really well done it's entertaining and i i, I obsessively loved the chicago 68 convention because you know back in like when we were working at the record store mike <laughs> MC would, five. yeah mc5 played there and yeah. then like it ties into the stuff i teach with vietnam and, and all the stuff that was kind of happening so yeah. it was cool to like get the backdrop of that and see that kind of in motion a bit um but those were kind of two of the, the lesser ones the ones that i thought were like pretty fucking interesting that i i got a chance Did you see to see nomadland no, I didn't find that. Uh, that's
1: the the one I've been hearing the most about. That well, I it won. Out, but... It won. Okay. Um,
2: I wanted to see... I forgot to watch it when it was on fucking HBO Max. It was the the Judas and the Black Messiah about the Black Panthers. I heard it's incredible. Um, oh, that was on HBO? Yeah. They like put it on HBO for a while when it first kind of came out to theaters and shit. <laughs> I know. I I, didn't I, know. I thought it would be there, and it was gone by the time I tried to watch it last weekend. Um, and that's got the dude fr- that was in... Um daniel kalua from get out and from um black panther and things like that but also the the guy um also from get out and from uh, atlanta um he was also the the the, the main guy from security guard friend yes yes yeah yeah Yeah. um so like those and then sound of metal have you seen that yet on prime no it's it's good
1: I, Uh, i saw what the premise was and i was like it's, yeah, I don't know if I'm in the mood right now, dude.
2: It's really good, like really okay. fantastic. Um, like I think Wendorf ended up watching it, and everybody else that like it's like a heavy
1: metal drum that's losing his hearing or something. Well,
2: it gets tinnitus, and okay. um, the whole the sound production on it's incredible. So you got to watch it with really good sound because you're hearing it through his like perspective at times, mm-hmm. and it's it's one of those movies. That's I the think,
1: dude he was in um, Rogue One.
2: Yes. Yeah. He was also in a really good, um, HBO series called the night of speaking of oh, procedurals. That. That's really got, uh, good.
1: It's got the Jesus in it.
2: Uh, yeah, he's a lawyer. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But he's the guy that's falsely accused or, well, you don't know if he's falsely accused. He claims to be falsely accused of like a murder of this, this girl and stuff yeah. like that. And it's, it plays on like, it's
1: only like four, five, six episodes maybe. Yeah. It's a, it's the like a maxi thing? series. Yeah. It's oh, worth yeah.
2: watching night of really, really incredible. Um, but yeah, dude, sound of metal, like like at one point he's wearing a rudimentary peony shirt. Like it like the people that are into that movie like made it, they knew what it the fuck they were doing. Okay. Yeah. And so, but like the all the stuff with him living with the deaf community is mm-hmm. like like they got real people, like half the movie is like sign language. And I think that's like a revolutionary thing for that community almost to like have that kind of level of representation and stuff like that. Sure. And to kind of see it from their perspective. It's really empowering but it's also like brutally honest too. Like it gets into some like, cause he's like recovering too. So he's kind of going through like rehab and then this happens to him. And so he finds like essentially a place where the guy is also a recovering addict who's deaf. Mm-hmm. He lost his hearing in Vietnam and turned to like drinking and drugs and things like that. And so, so it's both like about recovery and like him trying to like figure out how to accept this Refit like new in the world now, Yeah, Yeah. And like he was touring with his girlfriend and like, they have to like end the tour and she essentially has to leave them at the rehab place. Like she goes back to her life and stuff. And so it's like it's yeah, it's really good. Like he was great in it. And then the other one I watched um, Sound of Metal was probably my favorite of the ones I saw. But this one I think is going to be the one that resonates uh, the longest is Promising Young Woman. Uh, I've heard about that. Yeah, it is interesting. Um, it's
1: Who's who's the actress on that?
2: It's Carrie Mulligan. Uh, and she's great. Uh, um, you've seen she... her in a bunch of stuff. Okay. She was in Great Gatsby with DiCaprio. Um you've seen her in a the bunch theater, of things. Okay. Yeah. You would recognize. Was it a female her. director too? Yeah, and it's her first movie. Um and so it's it's not perfect. It has a lot of issues. Um it's got like Allison Bree. They've got like a ton of people. Like a mm-hmm. ton of people like jo- joined in on this movie. Um It's got a lot of the glow cast too, okay. which is cool. I don't um uh, she wrote the the uh, the woman that did it. I'm trying to remember what she did prior. She's actually in the movie. She has like a cameo. The director. She's very young, but man, it's. Here's the thing. I think it reminded me of like it. It's it. It has some issues with it. It's not a perfect film, but I think it's a movie out of all the movies that were released this year that might resonate like beyond in the mm-hmm. way that it's doing some like pretty heavy duty satirical, dark satirical stuff. It reminds me of like Verhoeven, like it, okay. It, You know how, like, uh, a lot of people couldn't really handle the tone of, like, Starship Troopers or RoboCop? They didn't understand it. They didn't get it. I think that's the the critiques of Promising Young Woman, is Mm -hmm. that I think it has those, like, the tone is, like, fucked up for people. Because it's, like, dealing with, like, rape, and it's dealing with, like, female autonomy, but it, like, does it in a satirical way at times. Mm -hmm. And I think some people, like, it's such a serious matter, they don't almost know how to, like process that
1: that's kind of what i've heard about it yeah
2: and i think it's worth watching for everybody to like make your own sort of judgments but i think you also have to see it as like a pastiche almost it's not like meant to be taken at like complete face value sure right like there's an absurdist sort of quality to it in the way that like robocops kind of has some absurdist yeah. sort of qualities and especially starship troopers does that was a movie i did not understand when i saw it in the theater i liked it but like i was in like sophomore year in high school i never and saw some of, it you still haven't
1: no, oh, I have, I have okay. since. Okay, okay, but not like because I mean I saw Robocop in the theater when I was twelve. Yeah, and I was scarred by the fucking the the violence, murder scene. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, but then after that, then I I I've, I've got nothing. But it just oh, gets better year after year. Every sure. time I see it,
2: Doctor J really turned me on to both those movies. Yeah. Our, our film professor that Mark and I both had. Um, I recently just came across because I was um, having my independent study kids. I had to pick out a whole nother set of movies that we don't watch in my normal cinema class. And these are three kids that already had that one and are just kind of taking it again. So I'm always trying to like find, (laughs) find shit for them to do. So I had them watch RoboCop and I was kind of looking for some cool like videos to like analyze the movie. And I came across a couple and one of the more contemporary reads of RoboCop lately has been that um, Peter Weller's like whole character is like kind of like a trans sort of like, like it 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 can like speak to like that and then even they even have like a clip of Verhoeven kind of like saying like i i can see that like he's actually like in agreement with it maybe he didn't intend it to be that but like it has yeah, it I speaks to that did. crowd yeah. about the whole idea of like recreating your identity and feeling like you're are you like who are you you yeah. know and some yeah. of that kind of stuff is really interesting i'm not saying like i i just i like thinking I mean, about shit be, like it that. could be
1: you know, with a gay community as well. Yeah, but exactly. Yeah, 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 for sure. I Just think f- that's with any good piece of you know, film that it, it resonates to different generations because of how broad its strokes were originally.
2: And I know like I paid really close attention to like how female friends of mine talked about promising young woman. Yeah. And most of my like female friends that I sort of trust were like, this movie's important. And so I'm gonna kinda like I'm going to let them take that movie. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah. I'm going to let them kind of take ownership of it because.
1: Is this like what, like Lady Bird was like the previous year? Wasn't that kind of a big.
2: Yeah. Lady Bird's different. It's not like about rape necessarily. No, no. You know? no but as
1: far as being like a, a female written and directed. Yeah,
2: Greta Gerberg. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I love Lady Bird. I saw that in the theater and stuff, but, and I, I think because I teach and coach girls, I, I trying to like, I'm always very cognizant. Like when I'm in history to make sure like, Am I giving, like, female voices to, like, history? Because I, you know, like, it's pretty male-dominated. History is often. Everything is. exact. So I'm trying to, like, kind of, and even in rock history, I'm trying to, like, work work that in a little bit more. I remember talking to your ex-wife one night. You remember sitting out in your patio, like, trying to talk to her about how I'm trying to, like, work, like, you know, Joni Mitchell in because I spend so much time with the Beatles and Bob Dylan and stuff. And so, like, I want to acknowledge and give some voice to that because Mm -hmm. I don't want, like... I don't know, half my class being females, just sitting there being like, oh, cool. We're watching like another like male movie, we're watching another like male, da-. you know. Yeah. I don't see, I've never had to look at it through that lens necessarily because like it's always been kind of catered to my tastes. And so like I don't know what sure. it's like on the other side of that sometimes. Yeah. See, maybe. I don't,
1: I don't know with, um, I, I've heard both different, differing views on that as far as like some people don't care that they're not being, cater to cater to or yeah. like uh you know people that love you know black dudes that think Solo is fucking great and didn't like lando didn't yeah. make any difference yeah. to him but like I was always I was like the opposite I was drawn to the characters that were not like me sure um so i'm I'm assuming there's probably that yes that as well but uh but but like but, i
2: was I was always rooting for like junkyard dog in yeah wrestling for some reason yeah. I didn't know why but like
1: but th- like yeah I was drawn to like um black exploitation movies which a lot of them were Written and directed by Black people. Yeah, Um, they were like
2: progressive when they came out in terms of like piercing the veil, but they kind of lack some subtlety. But really, what they were is
1: they were like uh, they weren't made for white people.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: um, Which we didn't understand at the time, but those are the things I was drawn like that, like fucking Sanford and Son and Good Times, and like yeah, I was drawn to the stuff that wasn't like me Mm -hmm. because you know, I mean, even like Mister Belvedere, like I wish I had a British butler. (laughs) that was at my house that would yeah. like hang out and be my best friend. I, sorry, I did not see the conversation
2: going <laughs> on Mr. Belvedere, but I'm happy it did. But
1: like so I don't I don't know how many people like I don't know if that's how if much of that is is, is really like, a thing or if yeah. that's like something that uh the that media puts upon people to yeah. make them seem more relevant. Like I don't know how many people watched Captain Marvel and really thought like this is representing me as a sure. as a woman or is it just like female superheroes they're kinda of few and far yeah. between so People I do know like that, a, a but...
2: lot of my like students when <laughs> I kind of talk to them about those kind of things like they will say Captain Marvel a little bit. I think they more talk like like Wonder Woman meant a lot to them that yeah. movie. Um I think I think Wonder Woman did for kind the of the first fe- one. The first one, yeah. yeah. The second one's terrible, but um
1: the first one the whole it's they don't make a deal about that she's a woman. No. And I think that's why why people resonate with it because it's and and to be fair like the stuff a lot of the shit we grew up with in the seventies and eighties, yeah, it didn't make a big deal, like nobody made a big deal about Ripley being a woman, sure,
2: but it was progressive for its but it time. was super progressive yeah. but
1: it's almost more progressive than it is now, yeah, because a lot of it seems like it's being placated to that if you don't like it, then you're somehow sexist, mm-hmm. but what if it's not good yeah, that's yeah. yeah um the same way like that uh that Martin Luther King biopic from was five six years ago yeah i never saw where it. they couldn't actually get the rights to use any of his speeches when people gave it a bad review people were saying this is that's being racist like you can have a holocaust movie that sucks yeah, yeah. you can have a movie about a, a a black person that's not great sure um like we're, we're so hung up on all these like little things yeah now it's like it, it sucks that we can't just get to the heart of what sure is really but everything's polarized and and I think and, and
2: I think like Promising Young Woman definitely is coming out swinging. It definitely yeah. has like a certain you know. It,
1: but would you say it's it's like a uh it's like a uh, what's the the term? It's an auteur film. Yes. It's not like the studio's not being like, "I think we should make sure we kind of cater to these people a bit yeah. more." It's like it's her vision. No, this is very much her That's vision. That's what yeah. I want to see. Yeah. And it, and
2: it reminded me of like um like a movie I've really recently like learned to appreciate uh, is Jennifer's Body, and I've watched it a few times. Female director, female kind of led. I think it was when it came out, like it was misinterpreted. That's was the uh,
1: the Transformers chick, right? Yes, uh, and she's incredible in it.
2: Uh, Who kind of got ostracized because of Michael Bay and because some of the she things was, he said? Didn't want to do. Exactly she was very critical did. of like how the way she was treated in that movie. Um, yeah, I. I I'm a big fan of her. I have the movie upstairs. Yeah. I'm I'm sorry. I, I'm anyways, I, it it reminds me of promising young woman in in a sense, like in terms of like having this kind of like fierce kind of vision and stuff like that to it. But, uh, it's cool. Like too, like she used pop music in it and a lot of it's insipid pop music and she kind of wanted to like, Empower that sort of music too, as well. Like in mm-hmm. Promising Young Woman and show, like a lot of times it gets devalued, uh, especially like a lot of female led pop music gets kind of like, oh, this is Selena Gomez, like dismiss this. It's not like it doesn't have any value. And you know, you know, Smiley Cyrus, and, yeah. And this, speaking and of and like Selena Gomez,
1: on. I saw um, <laughs> interesting
2: Spring Breakers, she's great in that. No,
1: I saw that uh, Jarmusch movie.
2: Uh, the stupid zombie one the zombie
1: one is she in that she's the only thing that i gave a shit about okay like i I was like who is this person like she's so fucking charming she's doing a great like that was the only like character actor in it and i was just like oh my god she's great um but then yeah i looked her up and i was like oh that chick okay i recognize her name
2: yeah but she was great in it she's also she makes a really cool appearance in uh it's megan fox by the way that megan fox okay she makes a really cool appearance in uh the big short um which is the movie about the 2008 collapse that yeah. um she like comes in and like explains something when she's having a drink like she explains like a complex economic thing. Yeah. They're like here's Selena Gomez to explain like how dividends work and then they also had um Anthony Bourdain explained like how bad like junk bonds work by like cutting up a fish and like showing you that. Yeah, and yeah. then they had Margot Robbie uh, drinking champagne in a bathtub explaining. Comp- it was cool. We watch it in my global class when we're talking about like globalization and economic stuff. But um, but yeah, I, I I have no problem with those because I do think like there is a tendency to be kind of sexist towards like female pop stars that they like kind of are valueless and a lot of them. Again, do I listen to a lot of like female
1: pop? No. I mean, granted, I would say that about all pop music. Yeah, a lot of it's kind of in that. I think realm. it's all kind of vapid, but yeah. But when somebody, I'm not a, opposed if somebody like does some work outside of music mm-hmm. that I appreciate. Yeah. I, I don't have any issue. Like if you can prove yourself. For sure. You know, more power to you. Yeah. yeah so she was great in that.
2: So of the movies that I saw, I guess, for this Oscar, uh, I guess Sound of. Uh, Sound of Metal is probably my favorite. Promising Young Woman, like I said, I think that's a movie we'll be talking about for years.
1: Well, this is whether a, it's good or bad. It's like a unique be... year that nobody went to the theater. Yeah. Either. So, so like, really it's fat. a very specific kind of uh, I'm glad there's not a ton of, you know, big tentpole like Marvel movies in yeah. that or anything. But
2: yeah. yeah. Speaking of Marvel, we we did uh, both let's
1: watch Falcon. We did, but let's let me go pee. Oh. I can okay. grab a beer and then we can come back yeah, and talk so about let's, what we want to listen to.
2: So okay, so let's throw some music. So yeah, let's get in some music. So, um, we can talk a little bit more about this when we come back. But Mark, these are three of your selections. Um, and I'll, I'm curious as to where we're going with these when we, when okay. we get there. So we've oh, got okay. Ned's Atomic Dustbin uh, throwing things from uh, Godfather from '91, and mm-hmm. then we jump back to the early '80s with a pair of tunes. Uh, one from the Damned uh, off of Strawberries called "Ignite," and then my God, it's happening. <laughs> On Requiem Metal Podcast, we are playing a There's YouTube song yep. uh, from their debut album, Boy, from 1980, Twilight. And we'll uh, talk about those when we come back.
0: I'm not saying this for the sake of it. I'll take so much and then I'll have to quit. I know how I feel, I know how I feel. The words go. of conversation Things are looking bleak Please go eat
2: Was Twilight from U two? Ignite from the Damned, and throwing things from Ned's Atomic Dustbin. So, Mark, those are three three <laughs> tunes you sort of picked out. Yeah, kind of not that far off of like where we started with Modern English, I guess. Um, no, not
1: really. And we hadn't we didn't talk about this before no, we just, started the we, show. We at kind all. of
2: come in blind with these picks, which is kind of always fun. I'm always make a way to to yeah. figure
1: it all out. But um, yeah, I mean, with uh, with Ned's Atomic Dustbin, they've been a band that um, Godfather came out in ninety one. It was. Before that nobody really stateside really knew much about him, I don't think. Um, I don't know who if it was like Geffen or somebody that put the record out. But everybody that I knew that liked, you know, like 4ED shit or you know, everything we were listening like, to. I feel like thoughtful
2: like metalheads were kind of into this record a little bit. Yeah, like, like I know. the people that were buying like Carcass Soundgarden it all kind of like Yeah, all kind of. It was like
1: a, a real propulsive. It's got. I think I've talked about it before. There's two bass players. Two right? bass players. The you know one at a low octave, one at a high, um, and then the the guitar is kind of just like noise. But the the driving force is really the drums and the bass on the thing. Yeah. Um, and they came out of the same kind of weird subgenre of like Jesus Jones and you know some of that crap. I don't really. There was a term for it, but it's like kind of a little bit of like post post reggae clash whatever, like indie rock, Brit pop, like it's yeah. a bunch were of they weirdness. British? I yeah. can't remember. Yeah. They're okay. British.
2: Yeah. I can't, I, I always like maybe associate them with, um, remember the band Primal Scream. Yeah. They were like a Manchester kind of band. Yeah. Um, I feel like they might've been kind of part of that,
1: but that they were like, yeah, the, the, the way they were, uh, publicized in the States. Like I bought the, the CD, then I had the, they did like a, a VHS live performance thing and everything about it just kind of hit at the right time. And I just finally picked up a reissue of the LP cuz okay. I couldn't find it forever but like Music on Vinyl put it out a couple of years ago. So and
2: I had it because I think you and Chris talked a lot about it and I yeah. know Albert's like a big fan of them um as well.
1: It's just like a you know kind of like a little touchstone of the time. Sure. Yeah, every couple of years it comes back.
2: Skaters, and, I think I think yeah. they were kind of big with like the skateboard crew a little bit.
1: Well, they all had those haircuts. Yes. And if you look at what they dress like, that's what my senior pictures... I was. Wearing. Oh, really? Yeah. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, they... Um, Fucking silk shirts and your hair flipped to the side and shit.
2: Yeah, so they they took their name from um, a radio comedy program called The Goon Show. That's where they got it from. Yeah. yeah. I've heard I mean, of The Goon knew Show what before. I dustbin
1: was until I started watching, like, the young ones and stuff.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and it looks like they... Okay, let's see. They were... I'm trying to find out of like what scene they were kind of part of a little bit.
1: There was something years ago. I remember like reading into them a little bit more every time I'd go up, like kind of reintroduce myself again. There'd be more and more to say, cause they've gotten back together in the last 10 years to do some reunion shows and stuff too. But yeah.
2: Huh. Interesting. Yeah. They're, yeah, just, they're, they're a fun, cool band for sure. And then, um, kind of in that realm, a band that, um, I know you've been really, really into a lot lately. Cause we've been kind of, We've talked obviously, over, yeah. You know, not yeah. just on the show, but when we're just kind of catching up and stuff. Um, well, yeah, just,
1: going to the listening end of the the watching the uh, the damn documentary. Uh, Don't you wish we were dead from 2015? It's on uh, Prime, Amazon Prime right yeah. now. It's a great documentary. Um, I always kind of peripherally knew about that. I knew more about their goth stuff. I didn't realize how that they were like the first punk band to ever put out a a record, a record, yeah. seven, a single,
2: first um, UK punk band. Uh, yeah, the Ramones beat them. Yeah.
1: But yeah, I mean they they beat, you know, they beat every other, you know, UK yeah. UK band at the time, but they're also so they don't fit right in that same, you know, like Sex Pistols put out one record and they're done. Mm-hmm. Clash put out I I've, I've never been a Clash fan. I, I like get the their clash. appeal. Um, um but they're not like they don't bring what I want to the music quite as much as the Dam does.
2: I would compare Clash with the Damned and the Buzzcocks more than the Sex Pistols in that like yeah. all those bands, especially the Damned. I like and the Buzzcocks Clash part of the Clash. Too. Evolved over time a lot. Yeah. You know, yeah. the Clash kind of came out like is like furious, like kind of punk on their debut and then kind of started to add like political reggae elements with Sandinista. And then yeah. London Calling, like every song on London Calling is a different genre of music. It's like, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I there's almost nothing you can compare London Calling to at the time. It's like a, I'm
1: surprised that it got as popular as it did.
2: Yeah, I think if I don't know when the last time you like listened to that was, um it's like it's 19 songs, which is a lot, but I think a a lot of the songwriting holds up pretty well. Um you got to just not like look at it as like a punk album, just like listen to it like you would like I don't know, like a Springsteen record or something. It like it really like transcends either, yeah. or something. Like it's it's like above genre. Yeah, it gets called a punk record, but I think they were like they were evolving so quickly beyond punk mm-hmm. into like, I guess I just call it a rock and roll record. You know what I mean? Yeah, really? Like I, they had punk aesthetic still, but they like just they didn't. Were,
1: they never did anything that made me like reevaluate them more. Yeah. Like nothing really grabbed me any kind of sense. And you've
2: never been like a big reggae guy or anything like that. I, I kind of
1: actively dislike it. Okay. And no, I think, I, I, I think really, you
2: have to kind of be like into the politics of reggae and, and some of that. I can, really I mean, I can appreciate it. I can
1: appreciate like actual reggae, but when white people, sure. Yeah. You know, they, they kind of like strip away a lot of what was really, I think there. the clash
2: authentically were like, like reverent to that. You know I mean, what even I mean?
1: Like, like, yeah, you can hear reggae and, and ska and like the Ned sure. song and stuff too. Sure. But the, the whole, like when the punk bands brought in like full horn sections yeah, that's all not. That kind of, I'm just like, it's not for me. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, still, I don't. It doesn't do anything for me.
2: I guess I think like I I think maybe Joe Strummer is kind of like a Bob Dylan type figure in that he was like yeah. the voice. He was like the the sort of voice of that movement. In like Johnny Rotten was sort of like just about like Johnny Rotten anger and destruction, and Joe Strummer yeah. was like kind of t- trying to like talk about like systematic things. Yeah. So like. That was important, I think, to young people, I think a lot of people looked at. No, just I can appreciate like, like what that. they were
1: trying to do, you know, uh, social level, but sure, musically it just doesn't. Yeah, do I was gonna say for... if
2: if you don't like really if you're not kind of into like kind of pop and just like traditional rock and reggae as much, like that's where the it's like Clash if I want to like, rock, listen to
1: like reggae rock, I will listen to the Police. Sure.
2: <laughs> yeah, and I guess I would say the Clash do it better than the Police for me. I
1: don't know the Police. They they took it down to like the most base sure. level that I, I can appreciate. It doesn't seem quite as like, ugh, to me.
2: So it's too pretentious, you think?
1: It just doesn't seem, it doesn't seem, there's no verisimilitude mis- uh, ver- to Got it. to it. No truth to it to me. Hmm. It doesn't strike a, a chord with me where it feels like it's honest.
2: I would say this, I would say like, if, get yourself at like centered and, and just put on the song called Guns of Brixton and just like kind of think about it. That that was my retort. I mean,
1: intellectually, I can understand it. No, but I'm
2: saying, like, I think...
1: It just doesn't... My taste doesn't really lend
2: itself to that. That, to me, does the same thing as, like, what the police do really well. Okay. Yeah. That's, like, the tune that, like, hooked me on The Clash. Because I wasn't really into The Clash. I had, like... I think I had London Calling on cassette tape in high school. But it wasn't until I lived with... uh, mark branham who was on our soundtracks episode mm-hmm. and he really like kind of tuned me into some stuff and kind of gave me different perspectives i was like okay i'm starting to like get them and yeah. i saw some documentaries and started like putting the pieces together like uh
1: yeah, a friend of mine uh kevin who would did that punk yeah. show with uh he's that was the only other show where jason wasn't on it yeah um fuck i don't know 10 years ago whenever the yeah, fuck that it was came like out episode 83 or um, something like that but yeah he's trying to like kind of Here's the thing to listen to about that. I was like, I just don't like it him. It wasn't wasn't
2: working for you? No. Yeah. I'd be curious now, just because you're into like the Damned and, and some more of the stuff, your tastes have maybe evolved I don't like his changed, voice
1: so. either. Ah. Uh, That's a big part of it. Not a big strummer voice guy. No. Yeah. yeah. And he, a like specific Dave Vignan, voice. I, I fucking love oh, his yeah. voice. So. Yeah. He's got a fantastic but he's much, voice. But he's much more, you know, more misfits, more goth, more like- For sure. It just yeah, kind of I fits could in my that. wheelhouse. Yeah, way. I could see that. Yeah,
2: absolutely. Yeah so yeah, so Ignite is kind of it's got like uh like you were pointing out, like it almost sounds like a template for I mean the Misfits were already putting out music at this point, but yeah. like you could see some like contemporaneousness between oh, these. It's two. like
1: if you mix the Misfits and Danzig together. Yeah. That's what the song is. Yeah. Really? It's
2: got the woah woes and, and yeah. things like that. Now Strawberries is what, their fourth record or fifth? Is this pre uh, Phantasmagoria or before it? Yeah, it's pre. This is cause So um, be their fourth then.
1: Music, yeah, music for pleasure was the one that none of the nobody in the band likes. That's
2: the second one, uh, I think. It's their second one. And then Machine Gun Etiquettes are their third. Third,
1: one. yeah, Machine Gun Etiquettes, is great. And then Strawberries, strawberries the yeah, so this is their fourth. Yeah,
2: yep. Um, you know what turned me on to the Dam like years ago is when I started buying all those pop off books. Mm-hmm. Um, I always found it strange he was giving like ten out of tens to like the Damned and like the Dictators, and I was yeah. like, I kind of always took like pop off. I think I kind of had him like. Oh, he's like this, like, he's like a Eddie his, Trunk or
1: something like that. Sure. You know, like he's got his. Well, like, he's of that generation too. Tr-
2: sure. But so. he's like a guy that cares, mm-hmm. you know, like Eddie Trunk probably has never heard a damned record and wouldn't fucking care about it. But like Pop off I, I appreciate that he like got the stooges and got like the stuff that wasn't just clean and traditional.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because that- Trunk, he's one of those guys that he grew up in a camp and that's the camp he's like planted his flag in. Yeah. And like you know, I I grew up in a you know, fucking thrash death metal camp.
2: But we've been trying to actively like like run in different directions. But from I want yeah,
1: camp. I want to know where everything came from. Like, yeah. why does this sound like this? Like, oh shit, there's this, and the 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 deeper you get, there's more. It's like so rich. It's I, I I wrote um when was this last week when I was researching one of these shows. I was like one of my favorite things in the world to do. Um, it's great to you know be with a pretty lady and have sex or whatever, but mm-hmm. and make art and but it's to have that feeling like you're fucking twelve years old, fourteen years old, and like my god, this is so fucking great. Like the stuff, like like doing this Vitus show. Yeah, I was like, God, this is like one of the best things <laughs> there is. Yeah, in the last like year and a half or so, it's been something to put my energy into mm-hmm. that rewards it like more than
2: anything. Sure. It's great. That was sort of like. When I heard that "Gathering Dust" song, like driving around, I think I was like grocery shopping, and it was just playing on NPR, and I was just like, it, it was just like, it was like a whole new world of music. Yet it was something I completely knew, but yep. yet didn't know. And I was like, what the fuck is this?
1: But it's great to have that. You know? That whatever that. It's like when you discovered probably
2: is. Phantasmagora from like the Dam. You were like, oh, actually, shit. that's the only one I knew. Okay, okay. Before, Got so it, it was
1: like going backwards is like, oh shit! I thought the Dam does more like the Cramps or like a goth band. Got it. Because I knew because you I dated chicks that okay. like them. See, in I knew the 90s. New
2: Rose because New Rose was always used as like a theme song to a documentary series I've used in rock history for like ten years called. It, Seven it was on Ages Spaghetti of rock. Incident too, I think. For yeah, they covered that. Yeah, it, which is f- weird because when <laughs> when Spaghetti Incident came out, I did not appreciate that record at all.
1: I didn't either. I thought it was just I didn't. know. And now, I heard like, these bands, but I was like, ah, this is just stupid.
2: you got Rocket from the Tombs on there. I mean, yeah. it was like okay, like people can have their opinions about guns and roses on a lot of fronts but like you can't take away the fact that like they were people that like actively cared about music on some level and well, wrote great songs when they were like
1: when they wrote focus. great songs they wrote great songs yeah when
2: they had focus yes. they wrote really fucking fantastic songs but also
1: they were from things i've i've read and listened to about that album they were acutely aware that the those people would make money from them so they're that.
2: trying to like get money to people yeah. which is awesome yeah that's a really cool I mean, Axel Rose is a dick, but at least like if that was what he was trying, you know.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, if anything, you know that he loves ACDC. Mm-hmm. He like went above and beyond to like, you know, I never thought any of those shows would be worth a shit, and I watched a couple on uh, YouTube and it was like, he, 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 you can honestly tell he loves the band. Yeah. Whatever, you know, came out of it is something else, but sure. you know, he at least like he loved that band more than anything else. So.
2: And I was surprised we saw the opening show of the reunion because they played in detroit at ford field mm-hmm. and i was we had seen motley Crue, and we pretty disappointed um i, I had Dif- to check them off my list yeah I just i'd never seen the crew they were kind of by the time i was old enough to go to concerts i wasn't crew had kind of run their course in the, the second half of the 90s and yeah. i was like well okay these t- tickets are expensive i'm anticipating i remember seeing the footage of like axl rose like at the mtv music awards or whatever. And he was like running was with the microphone and he was like out of breath. Yeah. And I was like, oh God, this could be a fucking disaster. And i like, I came away from that. Like Axel was great, but I came away like really appreciating slash like yeah. his guitar solo work live. I was like, okay, I'm feeling things. Well,
1: also he was, um, I think in the last like five years he's been sober. Yeah. So he's just like, and, and he's like re kind of figuring out who the fuck he is. And I think he's even better now. Yeah. 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 He's
2: cleaned up. That. That's awesome. So no, so yeah, like the damned is like, uh, yeah, new rose was on spaghetti incident. Now that yep. you say that, that's cool. And then we got you too. Um, say what in, you will about Bono, I've been into Boy for a long time, not boys, but Boy, <laughs> the album. Uh, that's, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. nameless little <laughs> thing.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, but this is yeah their first record. Uh huh. Um, originally it was going to be produced by. Um, was Martin Hammett? Is it the, the Joy Division Is the Joy producer? Division guy, yeah. The guy that would, you know, the for the, the drums would be produced like one part of it at a time, like just the snare, now he's, come in with the hi hat. He's kind
2: of the guy, if you really like understand Joy Division, if you see like footage of Joy Division playing live, they didn't sound like live what they sounded like on record. No. And that freaked the band out when they first heard like Unknown Pleasures. They're like, what the fuck did you do to us? Yeah. But in a way, he evolve them so that they didn't just sound like another british punk band
1: he pushed them to yeah. be like the more like themselves than they realized they could be I guess. and i think the the first um seven inch or single that you two put out he did he did the production he did for production it. and this like, was
2: steve lillywhite that did this right yeah. he did like Susie and the banshees yeah. you were saying yeah. yeah so
1: they were like we don't want to work with that guy again and i'm glad they didn't because the boys just sounds it's it's yeah. it's incredible
2: I love like especially my favorite U2s are the first three, which is this one. And then um uh War is yeah. incredible. And the uh Live in the Blood Red Sky, like their live record mm-hmm. that had like Sunday Bloody Sunday Live, which is from War and stuff. That era, like right before they like really like launched. I mean, Joshua Tree was 87 and then mm-hmm. they're, they're like in the stratosphere at that point. Yeah. And I like those records for like what they are. They're like kind of like. Bruce Springsteen records of that era. They're just like yeah. ubiquitous to my childhood. And, you know, we've all heard all those songs, but you two can surprise sometimes, like not just on boy, but like even like bullet, the blue sky from Joshua tree, like is it's kind of a heavy song, but like mm-hmm. people kind of just think of with or without you and it kind of, they lose track think, of like these other things that yeah. you two were also doing. I you think know? a
1: lot, like I think Bono in the last 20 years has like,
2: he's heard of eclipsed his reputation. a lot of,
1: like how good the band really is. I think the edge has always been, as much of a pretentious name as that is, there's that uh, that great documentary um, with Jack White, with him and Jack and Jimmy, White, Jimmy Page. Yeah. It was it was like okay, like that made me really because I've always loved his guitar playing, mm-hmm. but I didn't really, I don't think I understood like how much there was to it.
2: Well, I think him and like um, the guitar player for for REM, their style of like picking, yeah, was so unique that it like created like a soundscape for like 80s kind of alternative rock college rock in a weird way
1: well they based their they based their whole style on effects mm-hmm. which was never a thing so it's like like he figured out how to use that like echoplex and like just do it a couple times and figure out how to how that you know would come around yeah um because before that it was all just like the guitar hero mm-hmm. and like to be able to like use the technology at the time to really dial in and just be like
2: yeah. They almost, like, de-evolved the guitar, which is, like, yeah. what's cool about it, you know? It just
1: made, like, the first time I ever heard his guitar, it just, like, made me, just made me feel something.
2: Sure. I mean, like, Twilight's the second track, but I would say the opening three tracks on Boy, like, are iconic. Like, mm-hmm. I Will Follow is just, like, that opening riff. Yeah. Like, you're there. It's, like, a, like I mean, you and I both were saying when we were listening upstairs, like, fucking Catatonia or something yeah. like that. Like, you're. Yeah. You're in that same place with like Pride and Paradise Lost mm-hmm. and Catatonia and Rapture and any of those kind of bands where you're just like the atmosphere it sort of creates is is really really incredible. Um,
1: and I'll always give if I hear something out of a band that I was like have signed off on, and they I hear something's like oh fuck that sounds good I'll go back and listen because mm-hmm. there's there's a reason why they were so big yeah because they were great mm-hmm. and they might have like kind of like superseded what I really care about about music but you know, half of their, the first half of their career is just incredible. Sure. And I
2: think that's like, I'm, I'm in a constant pursuit and, and, you know, people maybe who are long-term fans might accuse me of like sort of, you know, you sometimes get called out as the contrarian of the two of us, but I don't necessarily think that's true. I just think like, um, I think in teaching my rock history class, I've been on a more active pursuit sometimes to try to figure out why, popular things are popular almost
1: you're willing to give things a chance more than I am at on face value. Sure.
2: Because I, and I think it's because I'm trying to like come place them in like the history, not just a metal and my own taste, but like the history of what they were for like,
1: yeah, you're putting them them in a historical context. I'm putting them in a personal context. Yes.
2: Yes. Yeah. And 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 those things can cross paths though. For That's sure. the cool part, yeah. you know. Sometimes like the history part gets me to like appreciate them on a personal level. Mm-hmm. Doesn't always work. There's some things that are still impersonal that I can objectively appreciate when I teach them in class, but I'm not yeah. like listening to them on my own at home, you know. But yeah, like I, mean, I don't like, I don't hate like listening to. I don't, I don't know. know, like I don't know. I'm trying to think of an exception. Something like. Like I don't I I own Jefferson Airplane um and I teach them when I teach psychedelic but I don't like listen to Jefferson Airplane that much. Yeah. You know, but sure. I don't mind when I hear a Jefferson Airplane song. Grateful Dead, that's eh, another story, but you know what whatever, but um
1: Grateful yeah. Dead's the they're they're the one band that nobody has ever been able to explain why they like them in a way that makes me yeah. Um, respect the person.
2: I and I have friends that I I value their entire musical opinion that love grateful dead and that's cool. I'm not going to take that away from them because there's yeah. probably a lot of shit I listen to that they do not like and it's fair. You know, the, I just I've never been able to figure it out for me personally. Yeah, it just you know?
1: it doesn't do anything for me. Like if any if I want to listen to you know, three-part harmony shit. I'm going to listen to the birds.
2: Yeah. I don't give a shit or about Beach Boys or Yeah, yeah anything
1: but yep. but Grateful Dead is just like... Ugh.
2: I think maybe what I need to hear is I almost need to hear something that they did live in like the late 60s where they were probably doing like some kind of almost like wall of noise, like awesome pink Floydian. Do you know what I mean? I know yeah. that those exist somewhere sure. where they're just doing like this just intense like Guitar Fury, like almost Allman Brothers But I think shit. most
1: of that is, is done in a drug-induced state and people like it because of that. Yeah. And I don't think... I think if music... If you can't... If you can listen to music in a drug-induced state and it's better, but if that's the only way you can appreciate it, yeah. I think that's horseshit. It's a little tricky.
2: I know. <laughs> yeah. And that's why I think I'm... You know, like, I'm an Allman Brothers guy compared to Grateful Dead. To me, like, what they do with improvisation is way more interesting to me. But they're and pulling the blues and,
1: and, the, and jazz.
2: But I think Grateful Dead were, too. They were coming out of, like,
1: blues bands and they were bands. But they, were, they band bands were doing more stuff. of, like... Uh, I would say they're pulling in more like the, the the smooth jazz, not the crunchy jazz. Yeah, like, perhaps you know, I, some people like.
2: Here's the thing, like, and this is maybe in teaching the class, like I actually think Jerry Garcia is like a really interesting musical force. You know, like, his
1: first solo record is not terrible. That's
2: what I mean. Like, I think yeah. he's he's a guy who like definitely like he hung out with Dylan. He was hanging out with like. He knew what he was doing, so I don't know if I I, I don't know if I'd tag him smooth jazz because I think he was actually probably a guy that was probably into Coltrane and into that stuff. I don't know if it translated into his music. Yeah. But I think he, his tastes were good. I just don't know. I haven't heard sure. it in Grateful Dead. So somebody no, I've never heard in Grateful Dead somebody Day needs either. to like play that for me and be like the song you need to hear that you need that was will like show you this is this song. And I just no one's ever done that for me.
1: Oh I'm sorry, the I, it was not his solo record. You think
2: of David Crosby
1: david crosby's first solo record yeah, those fantastic. are great yeah i was
2: yeah. gonna say i i've never heard jerry garcia
1: solo but i have uh you know. yeah because that uh that documentary that came out a couple yeah. of years ago is great with yeah him. it
2: was yeah he's yeah. basically like everybody hates me yeah because i f- like fucked but i've everybody always over yeah,
1: yeah I, I've, I've always appreciated him because he was he always did what he wanted to do he was a dick but he was a fucking brilliant singer and yeah, guitar player great
2: yep he was also um do you remember that show in the 90s um that John Larroquette was on after Night Court. The John Larroquette show? Is that where he's like a recovering alcoholic? I think so. Okay. David <laughs> Crosby. That last for half David a second? Cr- no, no. It was on for a couple of seasons. Was it? Yeah. Okay. It was like 93, 94. Okay. Um, I, I didn't hate that show. It actually had, you know who was on it that played a police officer? Uh, was the main girl from Tobe Hooper's The Fun House. That dark haired chick who's like the lead in that movie. She was like a cop on the John Larroquette show. <laughs> yeah. There you go. Wow. Uh, and Daryl Chill, somebody was the other like black cop. Okay. But anyways, the reason I'm bringing it up is I'm almost positive David Crosby was his um, sponsor, his like AA sponsor on okay. the show. So and that's where I like I had seen David Crosby before, but like I was so young, I didn't have any association for him. But that's how I learned who he was.
1: He, he also provided semen to uh, Melissa Etheridge's oh kid. There you go. If you remember that in the '90s. No, I don't.
2: But now yeah, her, I know her that.
1: her and her her wife. Yeah. Uh, he he supplied the semen he to was, their uh, eggs. Maybe the Maybe the kid has some musical talent. Then hopefully he's got better uh, some some harmonies hair than yeah. Uh, than I do I do give Crosby a lot of credit for keeping that long hair. Yeah, he's committed man. to it. He's committed. He to He kept it. it longer than um, what's his nuts from Strapping on Lad? <laughs> oh uh, yeah yeah Devin Townsend. Devin Townsend
2: yeah yeah that's funny. No, I uh, I was excited that Mark wanted to play something from Boy because my story that connects back to we were talking about movies in the first set, but um, like I loved Boy, I, I really kind of got into it. But sometimes when I hear a song in a movie, it like makes me like I get like hooked on it. Yeah, like I, when I was we were talking about. Um, you know, Mike Beardo McFadden uh, in his kind of teen comedy book. And that, that was a lot of my journey in the last couple of years was trying to like track down these movies that either I saw as a kid or didn't see. But remember seeing like that VHS copies of and being like, God, I wish I could rent that. But there's no way I can there's no way uh, I can I convince my mom. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and one of them that he recommended as being like one of the, the top tier ones was uh, Last American Virgin. And um, That's a dark movie. It is very dark. <laughs> and the sequence, uh not to spoil it too much, but the sequence where That's he movie, man. takes her um to get an abortion, I will follow is playing during the montage. Yeah. And it's so like the way that that, that like guitar comes in, the tone of the whole movie changes right then. Mm-hmm. It goes from being a boner comedy to like, whoa. Yeah. And I love I love movies like I love things that like play with tone. Mm-hmm. Um You know, we've talked, you know, longtime listeners, Patreons obviously know like, you know, about shows like a Buffy and Angel and things like that. And what I liked about those shows is they could be like ridiculously funny and pastiche and satirical and also like the episode where Buffy's mom dies where you're just like fucking like you're Alice in Chains down in a hole. Like you're just like shit. You know, so I I love shows that don't have rules, you know, Mm -hmm. and I love movies that don't have rules sometimes, you know, and sometimes they can be a failure. Like we were talking about Promising Young Woman. I think it has some tonal problems for some people, but to me, it's like it took some big swings. Yeah. And it's going to it's going to whiff in some spots, but at least it it took some swings. That's her first film? Yeah. And that's that's what I I would expect for a first film. exactly. And to be nominated for Best Director, Best Picture. Yeah. And to be in the zeitgeist of, like, kind of the hashtag Me Too. And, like, you know, it, it's interesting. And she's young, so it's like, I think she's, like, 25. And so to see a movie from a, I don't know what a 25-year-old's perspective is that well at this point in my life. I've talked to 25-year-olds, but I'm not in their, yeah. like, generation I think anymore. I think
1: there's a very small percentage of people that age that actually understand what they are even feeling. Sure. I mean, I didn't know what the fuck. Yeah, I thought I knew. At that age. Yeah, I thought I knew. I didn't make any great art at that age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we tried, you know. I, I think the, we, Yeah, but it wasn't know. like a yeah. There, there's not like a some old eclipse thing. issues have some highlights to them. There's some so there's, there's some enthusiasm yeah. there, but it's not like this this one work that I did. No, no, that's it's like the definitive only thing. or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
2: but but yeah. So in Last American Virgin, when when I I will follow comes in, it's this really tonal shift that I I just it really overwhelmed me kind of emotionally. I was like, whoa. It's almost like when, um, in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, when the Cars' uh, "Moving in Stereo" comes in during the iconic sequence with uh, Phoebe Cates coming out of the pool in slow motion. I mean, that's all I
1: remember is her tits. Really. But like,
2: but like, when you <laughs> hear that, like, it made me go and like actually start listening to that first Cars' records a little more. And it was right around the time that okay. Rick Kasik had just passed away, and like, I was like, "Fuck, this song is." mind-blowing like that whole album's mind-blowing and like i mean all it was the cars right in front of me fantastic exactly yeah. it's always been right in front of me and it's like i didn't just i just didn't grab it yeah. i've always loved the cars but i didn't love the cars they were deceptively
1: you know? simple too yeah like even <sighs> like with like like tom Petty yeah um like yep. guys that are like it, it's hard to i think when you're young to understand how like when you hear something it's just like oh it's just that's a fine pop song yep but you don't understand how difficult it is to distill it down to that-
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the cars were they never really, uh they were, I mean, they were huge without really ever compromising their sound. Sure,
2: They were always the Cars. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. But they were like ubiquitous to my early years of MTV. They were oh, everywhere. They were huge. Everywhere. Yeah. I mean, their yeah.
1: videos were just, yeah, just yep. immense.
2: And uh speaking of Tom Petty, there's a Tom Petty album that's like really inspired by the Cars. And that's like my favorite Tom Petty era. And it's like the era that like. Which one's that? It's uh the, the big song off that. It, uh, I'm trying to remember. It's got like a pink cover, but it's, you got lucky. You
0: got lucky, babe.
2: No, it's like 82. And it's like 82. got all these synths on it. And it's like the only petty album that has like a lot of synths. And Who you could tell, them? you know, I don't know if Ocasic did. I don't think he did, but I, think, I don't think he started doing that till later. I think it was like, he was just in that headspace. And like, that's my favorite petty song because I'm so I've heard all the other hits like yeah. so much that I really appreciate this one that has like this sort of synthy aesthetic, you know, well, I remember
1: him. as a kid, cause I, I always liked the cars. And then I found out that, uh, that he married the chick from weird science.
2: No, it wasn't her or the Pauline, uh, uh, pa- uh some Spurskova. Yeah. Yeah. Who the fuck? What, what was she in? She was just a really famous model. She was like a Claudia Schiffer type, like okay. Vogue model or something like that. Yeah. Cause that she uh, might've uh, been, you know, was, uh... she was in the video, I think for, uh, you might think it's when like the, when he's like the fly. Yeah flying at her I'm pretty sure that's her that that
1: was the first time I realized that wow if you do stuff that really matters <laughs> like you could get chicks that are way hotter than you are. oh yeah
2: Rico Kasich <laughs> is not a 10 yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but he's a, maybe a 10 in personality we well, yeah, so, that, so that's what always go.
1: pushed me because I'm I'm not a 10 by any stretch of the imagination but I've been able to like
2: hey we bring a lot to the table personality Oh my game yeah
1: as far as uh yeah looks and you know what you know the the kind of women that I can attract based on what I look like.
2: See, I'm bad at dating. I'm really good in relationships. I just got to get a foot in the door. My problem is like we, meeting yeah. girls. You, so you, you
1: gotta you gotta push your value. A little oh, bit. yeah, I know, I know. Yeah, yeah.
2: So yeah, so there you go. Patreons <laughs> find if you can get you can sponsor Mark with uh, insurance, and you can sponsor me with. Uh, I've got insurance. With, okay. Well, weren't we talking okay. before about trying to like have a, like a lottery for Patreons to like help you get uh, there was something was it I'm, car I'm insurance sure. maybe i, I am mean, no I, I, mean, I figured out how to play that game the play the game yeah we won't um, say that out loud <laughs>
1: well yeah <laughs> yeah play, play the game that's play all I'm the saying. game yep that's it um, so anyways but yeah like I, yeah I'm, I'm dating well above my look level but also age level too so you, you know yeah. you, gotta, you gotta you gotta i've
2: always up. tried to bat above my average as as much as possible i'm extra picky ah. when it comes to that stuff
1: yeah know, I, so. I think i think you should always try to if you're like oh this is okay like no, no. Push yep. a little more. There you go. You can do better.
2: So let's get into some stuff here. We uh we're kind in of in coming out. What's that? <laughs> let's get into some trouble. Yeah, let's get into some trouble. Um, kind of an interesting sort of set that we just had there, <laughs> and we're about to get into a really interesting set here. Uh, this is about the maybe one of the weirdest sets of music we probably ever assembled here. Um. Do you want to talk about the set of music now? Or maybe talk about this first song at least, so we don't like completely like freak people out. Um,
1: I don't think it's too far out. I've, no, I don't think it's. It fits into the, the aesthetic of, of the last one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, we're going to be listening to a song, from a band called NXS. Whoa! I don't know if anybody's ever heard of them, but they were like one of the biggest bands in the world in the eighties. Yeah. Um, my the, third
2: cassette tape was Kick.
1: Yeah, it was. It might have been my fourth or fifth. Okay.
2: That's good. We were like, we didn't know it, but we were like zeitgeist. But it was
1: like, yeah, like a, a first Madonna record, uh, Hall of notes uh, with *Private Eyes*. Yeah. Um, what else was there? It was all very poppy shit.
2: Most people know what mine is because I've announced it before. It was the second Whitney Houston, and then I mean, Huey no, I mean, Lewis in have... the News' *Sports* was my second. Okay. Then I think it's in excess was three and four was my game changer four was poison look with the or fine, no four was bon jovi slippery One fine White.
1: young cannibals is in there real early oh. with me too and men at work
2: see fine young cannibals <laughs> for you
1: another australian band
2: uh they are vocally what the clash are for you
1: okay you can't okay, fucking I get hate it. them yeah i mean i haven't listened to them yeah in, oh in i know 30 I'm, years, I'm not but, saying you're yeah. flying the flag for, yeah, yeah
2: but like i knew right away like i was like oh i don't like this yeah <laughs> it was all the time on the radio she drives me crazy and stuff but oh yeah
1: yeah because yeah. like uh yeah michael Hutchins, he had like a, a weird like d- you know jim morrison yeah. thing going on oh, yeah. and a bunch of other shit he was just a great singer uh but recently i watched that um what the hell is it called it's called mystify it's a michael Hutchinson documentary um because he he passed maybe 10 15 years ago at this point
2: yeah it's but, been a while. It feels like it was a long time ago, but I don't know. But, like,
1: yeah, if you've got Amazon Prime and you watched, like, when I watched the damn documentary, it's like, oh, you might want to see this. And then I yep. watched, like, the, the Steve Bader's thing with the Dead Boys documentary. Yep. And then, like, there's all this shit. There's a
2: Killing Joke one that's there. That's where I found yeah. the Swans one. I mean, there's yeah. just, like, a, just and a, we, I of we yeah, a I think we talked
1: about that a while ago. Yeah. But there's so many good music documentaries I haven't seen, and that's kind of, like, my crack, really. Like, I watched that Three Hours Eagles thing.
2: Yeah. I was like, oh, that's good. That's like, speaking of the Petty, <laughs> there's like that Cameron Crowe, like three and a half hour Petty documentary that's incredible.
1: Was that, didn't I thought, um, didn't, uh, what's his futz do it? Oh, shit.
2: It wasn't Cameron Crowe? I thought it was. I know he did the Pearl Jam one. I thought he did the Petty one, but maybe I'm wrong.
1: I thought that was uh, Peter Bogdanovich or something weird. Oh, might it was be. either him or I think it I was knew it was God, somebody legit. I think it was so. Bogdanovich did okay, that one. That might be because I was like, "What the fuck?" and that's why I watched that one. It was great.
2: <laughs> yeah, it's fantastic.
1: And then he ended up, you know, fucking dying. Yeah, I know. Just thereafter, but yeah, there's just been a wealth of these great music documentaries. But um, Scorsese did something too.
2: He does a bunch. He obviously he's done like the um, you know all the Dylan ones. He did the Rolling Stone one. Um, that's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's called Running Down a Dream. Uh, it was directed by Peter
1: Bogdanovich. I was amazed because I had not seen him do anything outside of being a talking head in Orson Welles things in a long time.
2: And being a therapist on The Sopranos, <laughs> yes, right? Yeah. He did that as well.
1: Yeah, But uh, yeah, and he's done some great shit, but he's always been in the shadow of of Welles.
2: Yeah, Last last Picture Show. I mean, And then actually
1: that, that. Um, um, Netflix had a deal where they got, oh God, I can't even think what the fuck it was called now. It was the last thing that Wells ever did that was never put out, um, that, that actually uh, Bogdanovich is in, and it's also kind of about him. I kind of um, know what you're talking about. Something of the Wind. Children, uh, fuck, I don't I can't think of what the hell it's called. We talked about it before. Yeah. Um, inherit, not Inherit the Wind. That's, uh, that's but it a was, Scopes uh, trial. Movie. Yeah, it was basically like, it, it was his last kind of thing before he passed that had been in pieces and they kind of put it together Osamble. with
2: yeah. classic Orson Welles style.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, then I heard about that and then I heard about Bogdanovich doing that fucking Tom Petty thing. I was like, Hmm. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, that sounds cool. Cause I've always, he's always been a talking head my entire life. So yeah. I'd love to see more shit that he actually does. Outside yeah. For of some the,
2: reason I thought it was Cameron Crowe, but that's just cause he's done so many music docs and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Bogdanovich. Yep. that, but yeah, we kind of dug around like looking at, uh, I knew that there was some like Chris True, a friend of both Mark and I's uh, from college had kind of gotten me into like early in excess, but I never picked any up. But he was like, oh, dude, they had stuff before they were like kind of a big pop band that like is, is really pretty awesome. And so we kind of dug around and uh, we're trying to find like what would an appropriate in excess song be to play yeah. on on Requiem? And so we found uh, from I think it's their debut or very early from 1982. Shabot uh, Chabot is I think it's
1: their first full length. I think f- they first had full-length. singles. They before, probably had singles. Yep. The industry was different back then.
2: Um, great keyboard synth stuff sort of happening. Great vocal hooks. Great guitar Driving driven bass, stuff. Yeah. Um, it's called Don't Change, and um, it's 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 pretty happening tune. And then we'll uh go from there into a couple of my selections now. Um, one that in listening to all this like U2 and excess and stuff like I, I was like, oh yeah, this fucking song. Like we need to we rock this out. And so I'm kinda curious, those of you who think like we've
1: played this at some point.
2: Yeah, I don't think we did. Think I so? used to play it on the radio show okay. in college all the time, but I don't think we played this. Um British band uh called the Wire uh called Wire, not the wire. That's a different thing. Their third record, one fifty four. And this is a song like I, I would I had gotten the first couple wires from a friend of ours back in uh back in the day called Mike Rice. And um I knew that they were a huge influence on Fugazi and I was a huge Fugazi guy. And then I came across their third record and wow, this song like knocked me out because it's so fucking dark and dreary. It it really fits in with like Bride and and Anathema and and some of those kind of bands. Like Radiohead. yeah, intro, some of that yeah. kind of aesthetic and stuff. So if you don't know Wire or you've only heard like 12XU, which uh, you know Minor Threat famously covered and, and stuff like that, this will be very different. And a nice touchstone to then get us into some uh, some other interesting things that we'll talk a little bit more when we come back from. So uh, we got Don't Change from In Excess, a touching display from Wire. Then um, maybe, perhaps none of you have ever heard this version of Angelica from... Anathema. We'll talk more about what that is when you come back. And then fear of God with all that remains.
0: Wildflower and star in heaven, still. Power lines, steel webs confine, violating the brownish sky. Hard grey smothers, earth like cancer, cracks revealing ground below. Broken and bleeding. Every seed. Every stone. I am a lost control. Lose already done stay away. The Rock!